WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Are there more areas around the world like Nevada's celebrated Area 51? What really goes on in these places? And what do the Knights Templar have to do with any of it? Well, hello there and welcome to the 460th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben and those dis- disconcerting questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening we welcome back one of our old friends who has never been on this edition of the show before and we're going to uh, look into at, we're going to look into some really intriguing subjects so our call in numbers if you want to join the discussion this evening is 248-545-7685 again that number is 248-545-7685 Mac Maloney has been writing military adventure and science fiction books for 20 years and is the author of some 30 tomes these include the popular Wingman and Starhawk series, the Chopper Ops series, and the fan favorite, War Heaven. He grew up in the Dorchester section of Boston, not far from us, and was, was taught to read and write by the nuns at St. Andrew's School. I should say St. Anne's School. St. Andrew's, where did I get that? His father was a veteran of World War II, and he used to read military books all the time. As a kid, Max started reading them, reading them also, along with a lot of science fiction. After, quote, wasting four years at high school, unquote, he somehow wound up in college and eventually received a B.S. in journalism. That's a bachelor's degree, that is. After that, it was on to graduate school for a degree in filmmaking from Emerson College, where Ben is now a student. Yep. Mac was a a sports reporter for two years after college before joining corporate America as a publicist for General Electric Company. And there was a movie or two in the future. This evening, we'll concentrate on Mac's latest book, Beyond Area 51. Mac's website is Mac Maloney, that's M-A-C-K, Maloney.com. Mac Maloney, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. No, it's our pleasure. So before we go into uh, anything else here, uh, where is Area 51 and what is actually going on there? Well, Area 51 is about 75 miles northwest of um, Las Vegas in the Nevada desert. Um, it got its name from, it's just a, there's a number of tracts of land out there that the Atomic Energy Commission uh, owned back in the late 40s and early 50s. And when the uh, U, the U.S. Air Force and the CIA um, were looking for someplace where they could test secret airplanes kind of out of um, sight of everyone else, they just Picked one of these tracts of land, and it happened to be Area 51. Uh, it's it's more it's known in, within uh, the intelligence communities and the Air Force as uh, Groom Lake. There's uh, the Groom Lake Air Base, and uh, it has a very long runway, one of the longest runways in the world. And there's a huge salt flats right near it, so it actually has almost like an endless runway. Um, so um, about 75 miles northwest of Las Vegas, just out in the middle of the Nevada desert. Okay. Did I ever tell you what happened to me in the vicinity of Area 51? No, I would like, love to hear it, though. Okay. Now, we are not generally UFO researchers. We've only recently, when I say recently, within the past five years, sort of gotten into it because we've had a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, ghost cases that have led us in the direction of, that have ended up involving UFOs for some reason, and, and we, we've 
uh, sort of been involved in, in uh, getting word out, at least what we feel, on uh, the, sort of a pan-paranormal approach to this thing, which, as I understand it, is now uh, getting more popular and paranormal, I should say, in the UFO community. But in any case, I was down uh, down there, uh, well, I think, I believe it was 03 or 04, no, 06. Yeah. That's right. And uh, I was just on a speaking tour, of a book tour of Southern California, uh, all over through there and into, uh, no, I wasn't either. I was speaking at a conference in Vegas. Probably because I hate Vegas, I don't like to remember it. But anyway, uh, I was—I decided to go out uh, one day and just go sort of toward Rachel just to pick up some souvenirs for, for Ben and for his brother because everybody was into UFOs. So I uh, kind of get out there. And I, I know you, I'm sure you've been out there. And uh, there's the, the part where the, the sort of the road goes off to the left and that goes toward Rachel, Nevada, which is the closest village to the base, supposedly. And there were some trees there and a sign that said Extraterrestrial Highway. That sign is quite famous. The state puts it there for tourism reasons. I figured, oh, this is cool. I'll get a picture of this. So I set up a tripod. I was by myself. I set up a tripod, tried to take a picture of myself at this sign. But, you know, $1,200 digital camera didn't come out. Nothing would come out. I said, what's going on with this? Meanwhile, there were these cars parked under the trees, and I didn't pay much attention to that. But then I happened to notice uh, an SUV, white SUV with the U.S. government plates, and these two you know, forbidding-looking guys were looking at me. So I said, uh, I don't know. So I got into the car, and my reporter's instinct, I put the camera up, and one of them stuck his finger at me. So I said, uh uh-oh, I guess I better not do this. So I started down the road toward Rachel, and they started to follow me. The speed limit on that road is 75. We we were doing faster than that, and they were about 10 inches from my bumper Hmm. for about five miles. And I'm a veteran. You know, I know what it is to be scared. this, This really shook me up. So I got to the little alien there, and the woman explained to me. She said, what happened to you? I was, it was a Wednesday morning. There's nobody else in there. And I, I told her, she said, oh, you, you were taking pictures of the park and ride for Area 51, which was apparently this bunch of trees and, with the cars parked under. I said, well, thousands of people must take, play, take a picture of that sign. She says, they do, but you, she knew who I was. Is You are, are, are a guy who is known as a researcher of these things. They have a geosynchronous satellite that takes photos of stuff like license plates on that road. They ran it. I said, it's a rental car. So that doesn't make any difference. They know who rents it. And you're the the top of this list, especially alphabetically, of people who do this. And they figured you're trying to take pictures of the the license plates and bother the people from the base. So they they, they chased it to scare the dickens out of you. They sure did. So, I mean, (laughs) I wasn't even on the base. So, anyway, that's my Area 51 story. I never got any closer than that. Right. Uh, very few people, you know, uh, get even that close. Um, they have bought up, the Air Force over the years have bought up tracts of lands a- around Area 51. There was a uh, mountaintop that you used to be able to climb up to and kind of see it off in the distance, uh, and they bought that piece of land. So it now it's impossible to go anywhere, anywhere north, west, southeast of Area 51 that has a clear sight to it. Uh, Bill Burns, we had Bill on last week, uh, co-hosting with me and sitting in for Ben, and he, uh, along with, with giving a glowing review of you and saying it's going to be a great show when you came on because he heard the promo, uh, he said that, that one of the reasons UFO Hunters was canceled was because uh, they got too close to Area 51, mm-hmm. among right, other yeah. reasons. Right. He, uh, he and I were having a conversation about that on the phone once, and because I quote him, a number of times in the book. And while we were having this conversation, our phone got cut off. And um, 
I called him back and he says, well, my friends are just listening in again. And, you know, <laughs> apparently it happens to him all the time. It happens to me, too. I, I mean, and, and to me. Yeah, it, it's very strange. And, and, it's, and when I tell people this, you know, if I, if I had told people two years ago before the first UFO book I wrote came out, that, that I have had probably 15, 16 interrupted phone calls in the past year and a half, um, I, I would have, if someone told me that, I thought they were crazy. But it's actually happened to me. I, I, I just can't believe that whoever they are would be interested in me. But yeah, I mean, we feel the same way. It's, it's. I don't. We're getting a little off topic here, but it's really weird. People come to the door, claim to be from the utility company, and they're not. You know, military types, and they're always trying to get in here to put something on the meter. And, and I, I, not to be paranoid, but I've, I've called. They've had badges, they've had trucks, they've had uniforms, and the gas company doesn't know who the heck they are. So I mean, plus the phone calls, not, not to mention stuff on the show. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that, that have, well, we do, especially when we started doing that Rendlesham case in 2010, we started that long series. People can get the podcast on our website. And all you wouldn't believe the stuff the, the, the guys still talk about Colonel Halt, all the way down to Bill Burns and you know, Nick Pope and all the people who are on. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, you know, CBS couldn't figure it out to this day. I guess, you know, they, they still, t- so I don't know what was going on. But anyway, I'll, Ben, I'll let you get back on topic here. No. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> the San Luis Valley in uh, Colorado sounds like one of those places we always talk about, like uh, uh, thin places, uh, where parallel worlds blend and all kinds of paranormal heck uh, occurs. So how how is area is that like any is that anything like Area Fifty One? Well, only that it's um, it's surrounded by military bases. It's uh, San Luis Valley is in the southwest corner of Colorado, and I think it's about a hundred and Oh, I'm not sure exactly right now how big it is, but it's huge. And it has different types of uh, terrain. There's mountains there. Uh, there's mountains with sand dunes on them, which is very strange. It's a it's a rift um, to uh, the Earth's planet, uh, bumping up against each other there. Very few people live there, but I was um, fortunate enough to talk to Christopher O'Brien, who has written two or three books about the St. Louis Valley. He gave me a lot of information for the chapter in the book that deals with the St. Louis Valley. And like you said, it's, it's UFOs just, it, it, UFOs are just the beginning uh, there. People see ghosts all the time. They uh, have lots of uh, cattle mutilations and also other kinds of animal mutilations. They have mutilations of animals that aren't even supposed to be in Colorado. Hmm. Um, people have seen Bigfoot there. Uh, people have these strange things called shadow people, which I had never heard of before. But apparently, if you're in your house and you see a shadow of someone on your wall and there's no one in the house with you, which is uh, very kind of creepy, um, very kind of strange animals wa- are running around there. And uh, the, the thing that I find the most fascinating is uh, they see flying humans out there, which I had never heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they have... Um, people like the police, fire department, people who work for the various municipalities out there have seen these flying people. Uh, they, the uh, military uh, does a lot of training and testing in uh, certain parts of the St. Louis Valley. And so what people see out there is, is just this vast number, this, this whole kind of spectrum of strange things going on there. And, of course, it's as I say, it, it's practically surrounded by military bases, three or four of them, uh, being secret military bases, one of them is the is the NARAD base, and then there's another one out there that is the headquarters of the U.S. Space Command. So, 
it's a it's a strange place once again surrounded by uh, secret U.S. bases. Well, we've run into that all the time, especially in this, this Central Connecticut case we've been dealing with since '05, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And mm-hmm. started with ghosts, and now it involves a possible secret base, military activity, UFOs. Well, I mean, made. even Rendlesham too. That's uh, that's surrounded by two military Air Force bases. One of them being. Uh, British and the other one an American base. Well, one of which is still active. The other's turned into industrial park. But we had some interesting experiences there in September. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we are ready to take our first break. You are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. And we're talking with Mac Maloney, writer and researcher extraordinaire. We'll be, we'll be right back. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries. Well, I was sitting, waiting, wishing you believed in superstitions. Then maybe you'd see the signs. The Lord knows that this world is cruel, and I ain't the Lord, no, just a fool. And I love somebody, don't make them love you. Must I always be waiting, waiting on you? Must I always be playing, playing your fool? I sang your songs, I danced your dance, I gave your friends all a chance. Putting up with them wasn't worth never having you. Or maybe you've been through this before But it's my first time So please ignore the next few lines Cause they're directed at you I can't always be waiting Waiting on you I can't always be playing Playing your fool I keep playing Want this plot to twist I've had enough mystery Keep building it up But you're shooting me down But I'm already down Just wait a minute Just sit and wait I'd put down all my ammunition I'd wonder why it taken me so long But Lord knows that I'm not you And if I was I wouldn't be so cruel Cause waiting on love ain't so easy to do Must I always be waiting, waiting on you Must I
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back with Mac Maloney, our guest uh, and author of the book Beyond Area 51, which I am loving, by the way. We just, we just got it, and it's just, uh, it just I love the way you write, Mac. And, I, and I'm a, I've been a professional book editor, so coming from me, I hope that means something. It, it sure does. It really does. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, well, certainly. And I hope everybody uh, will take advantage of the chance to get that book tonight. But in any case, uh, we were talking about Area 51 and areas like it. Mac, I always suspected that Area 51, I always thought, and this is, you know, I was involved in the military, and you hear things through the grapevine, and I always thought that the whole UFO story was a cover-up for the secret aircraft operations that are going on down there. I mean, but, but then again, I mean, there's so much weird stuff going on. I mean, and the technology that we, that we usually have is about 10 years ahead of what the public knows about. But what say you on all that? Well, I agree uh, with you because, let's face it, Area 51 is the most famous secret air base in the world. I mean, everyone knows about it. Um, I think someone told me that Oprah actually did a show on it years ago. You know, so if she's doing a show, then everyone must know about it. And that's just how the military works, is that they would just simply have, you know, they would, they would have everyone kind of have everyone's attention on this one place, which we know uh, is primarily is there to test secret airplanes. My brother, brother, who was in the Air Force for 25 years and now works at Top Gun for the Navy, he was out there. So. And what he was there for was he was a jet mechanic at the time, and he was there to fix airplanes that were dogfighting against captured uh, Russian eggs. This is in the 70s now. And um, that's the type of stuff that they would just fly out that they did not want anyone else to see. When um, when it really started coming into the public eye in the late 80s, um, you know, all of a sudden you had all these about, well, there's, there's secret airplanes there, but there's also UFOs and there's this and that and S4 and, and all this stuff. And it, it just kind of follow that. It, it, it does seem like kind of a government disinformation campaign. Everyone, yeah. as I say, focus on Area 51 while they're doing other things in other places. This is what I heard in the 70s when I was in. It was more like the, the people were less interested in trying to keep secrets because they knew they really couldn't. And uh, giving as what came to be known as disinformation in order to just keep them guessing. And uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Go ahead, Ben. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Homestead Air Force Base in uh, Florida. I mean, that sounds pretty weird, too. So what's the story with that? Well, it's uh, Homestead Air Force Base was at one time was an enormous uh, air base, U.S. Air Force Air, uh, air Base. It's a little bit south of Miami, and um, it actually got almost wiped off the map uh, from Hurricane Andrew, which I think was in sometime in the 80s. But before that... Um, it was uh, it was a key air base because it's it's very close flying time to Cuba, and in the 60s, you know, it's at any minute. Of course, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, at any minute go over Cuba. So it's a very important place. But uh, what relates to the book is that we followed up on the story that I had heard a number of times in the first UFO book, and. So we looked into it, and it turns out it wasn't really that crazy. And what it is basically is that he was in the performer, and Richard Nixon, the uh, president, they were very 
friends, and they were two very unlikely because at least was kind of boisterous, you know, live every moment. And, uh, and so it was one of these guys who was just, you know, shot to the point of uh, paranoia. And, uh, you know, he, let's say he said some kind of, but they were, and um, Jackie Gleason had a, a lifelong interest in UFO. He had a, a UFO book collection that, that was over uh, in his yeah, uh, Mac, you're, you're kind of here. We go. You know, this is a typical show where we'd have this. Uh, there's some kind of interference here, so uh, I'm just going to ask you to speak slowly and continue. Okay. Well, um, Jackie Gleason had a lot of interesting uh, UFOs. His house up in upstate New York was shaped UFO. He and his uh, he had a house down in Miami, and he and Nixon used to play golf when they were uh, both in town together. So not one day out in the garden. Gleason mentioned to Nixon his interest in UFO. As the story goes that night, uh, there's a knock on Jackie Gleason's door, and it's Nixon. It's, he's by himself in a car, and he is without a secret source, but he was known for trying to um, kind of slip to a secret source. They drove to home at Air Force. They got into the base and uh, got Nixon turned the car, so they weren't going to stop him. They, uh, Nixon brought him to this uh, out of the window, and he showed Jackie Gleason. First, he showed him showed him a piece of black UFO. Uh, you're and, really fading in and out here, Mac. Yeah, um, maybe we should uh, call him back. Uh, we can do that on the next break, but in the meantime, I'm just sort of going to repeat what he said. Uh, Mac is discussing a... Uh, uh, an incident. Uh, what, what year would you say that Mac was with, with the Jackie Gleason incident? Yeah, it was uh, in 1974. That time, right? okay. Nixon resigned. And uh, Richard Nixon, t- pre- when uh, I guess pre- as president, took Jackie Gleason, who is well known to our generation as a great comedian and show host and all this sort of thing, and he showed him. He showed Jackie Gleason, uh, was it a, a, a UFO at Homestead Air Force Base near Miami, and also an alien body? Was that correct? He showed him a number of um, four or five alien bodies. Jackie Gleason thought at first that they had children who had been like killed in a car wreck. They yeah. were frozen. And then uh, Nixon explained it to him. And this really, Gleason, he was not seen for about a month afterwards. He, he just couldn't handle what he'd seen. Um, it actually led to his divorce. His wife and he were separated. mentioned it uh, in a magazine interview and found out that he had actually mentioned this, you know, basically, you know, that was the final step, and, and he divorced her. Um, it, it was very that, first of all, that these two unlikely friends, that Nixon, you know, who go anywhere, you know, in UFO bodies. Okay. All right. I think we're going to um, just have to sort of repeat what you're saying here. Um, now, what, what evidence is there for this? This seems like a pretty fringe kind of story. Uh, what is the evidence that... President Nixon actually showed Jackie Gleason a, was it a crashed UFO or what? It was of a crashed UFO, right? And, okay. Um, it, but do you believe be, this happened? Well, I do, only because um, there were a number of people who wrote about it later on. Jackie Gleason's PR guy, after Jackie Gleason died, did not deny it. And we end that chapter with the story of um, Jackie Gleason eating. Uh, dinner with a very famous columnist uh, back then named Bob Considine, and he was, they were arguing about UFOs. 
and Gleason was trying to convince Bob Considine that UFOs existed. And uh, someone over, overheard them and um, came over to their table. And, and who, who was was this general, quote-unquote, Rosie O'Donnell. That was his nickname. He was the head of uh, Pacific Air, um, the Pacific Air Force during World War II. He led the first B-29 raid on Japan. And he was very, very high up in the Pentagon at the time. And he inter interrupted this conversation and said to Bob Considine, Jack, he's right. Um, you know, just a, kind of an offhand comment like that says it all, I think. Um, I think there is something to the story because there's just so many sources out there that say it happened. Well, all right. Well, uh, who's to say? Um, how does all this fit together, Mac? Why these areas? Oh, no, I, I, I'm skipping ahead. I, what I, I guess Ben was going to ask you was about the Falkirk Triangle in Scotland. Oh, yeah, there's, there's many, many triangles, like the Falkirk Triangle, the M Triangle in Russia. But let's start with the what, Falkirk Triangle in uh, Scotland. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny because it turns out that, and I didn't know this, but you know, more people see UFOs in Scotland than any other country around the world. Uh, people see UFOs almost on a daily basis in this place called the Falkirk Triangle, which is... Um, just south of uh, Edinburgh, there, the, the capital. And uh, there's a uh, couple villages there that, that as I say, that you, you, sighting UFOs is, is almost a daily occurrence. Uh, they're reported to the British government, and the British government came out and said, you know, this is kind of like ground zero for UFO sightings. Now, the strange thing about it is that right in the middle of the Falkirk Triangle is Roslyn Chapel, and Roslyn Chapel is the is the church that was made famous, of course, in Dan Brown's book. But um, it, it has so many connections to the uh, Knights Templar. And I just, I had heard about it, and like I said, we did some research into it, and there's a lot of research out there having to do with this weird connection between lots of UFO sightings, lots of paranormal activity in Roslyn, um, Scotland, and, and this, this thing with the Knights Templar. Um, as you were talking about a little earlier, um, I think you're on to something in that I think that we're talking about almost like the grand unified theory of paranormal, and I think UFOs are just one part of it, and who knows what else, but ghosts, UFOs, everything, I think they're all parts of the same thing. And, and if you look said. into Roslyn, you will be convinced of that, or, or further convinced of it. So is there some suggestion that the Knights Templar, who were a very interesting group, some of our ancestors were Knights Templar, mm -hmm. um, were knowledgeable or had some sort of information about this reality that we're talking about? Well, it, it was an odd place for them to build this temple, and uh, I mean to build this church. And when you go inside the church, there's all kinds of strange things. There's like a double helix of uh, DNA. There's pictures, there's carvings on the wall of... of Corn, well, they called it maize back then, but maize is only um, grown in in America, and uh, you know Columbus hadn't quote unquote discovered America yet for like yeah, two hundred years. Yeah. You know, um, the first DNA clone sheep happened right down the street from uh, Roslyn Chapel. Uh, when you and then all the the number of other strange things that have happened there, there was an entire Roman legion sent up there. You know, way back when that completely disappeared, and the <laughs> Roman legion is you know at least a thousand guys and even more. Sure. Um, Mary, Queen of Scots, we end that chapter by, with a quote from her where she says, I will forever keep the secrets that I learned at Roslyn. Oh, well, all right. I hadn't heard that. I'd heard about the maze and things of that kind. 
Well, th- that's the subject for another day, but uh, that seems to be the case in many of these places. Oh, yeah. Um, again, well, you, I think you've just sort of answered the question, why these areas? Um, when we were at Rendlesham, uh, it, it, w- w- what happened the night before? We went there with Larry Warren, one of the original witnesses to the 1980 UFO landings and things that occurred there with a bunch of local listeners who were knowledgeable about the layout of the place. And uh, what happened the night before... Well, what happened the night before we spoke uh, in the area was, um, well, it shook us up so much that Ben didn't want to go back the next day. I was also extremely well, you were, tired. Yeah, you were extremely tired, probably because of what happened, happened the night. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, quite, quite, a, quite a shock, and we've been doing shows ever since uh, to build on our Rendlesham series with things that local people have been reporting that had not been previously discussed, at least not on the air. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, one of those areas, apparently. There's a lot of areas around the world that we get into in the book, and a lot of them don't have to do just with UFOs. There's a lot of other paranormal activity that seems to be centered in this area. That's why I'm becoming a believer in this whole idea that UFOs are just one part of a, of a big thing. Well, everyone seems to see that except uh, the, the pop ghost hunting crowd. I mean, the UFO people are, are, are telling us much the same thing as you are, that they're beginning to see that there's a bigger picture here, and... Uh, I don't know. I, well, it I, just it seems like the people who are most learned and the most scholarly are the ufologists, and then people who are other paranormal investigators. They just see ghosts and stuff as the paranormal, and just completely, it's like weird. It's you'd think it'd be the opposite. Well, it's, that's it's, you know strange. I'm always saying that about Western epistemology. Yeah. It's just it's you know it takes things apart rather than puts them together, and therefore big big picture is invisible and all this kind of thing. But in any any case. Uh, we only we, have like one minute till the break. We only have one minute to the break. Yes. In that case, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio with our fascinating guest, Mac Maloney, author of Beyond Area 51. And we will be right back. Are you tired of feeling stuck? Are you ready to feel healthy, clear, and grounded? Is it time to feel like yourself again? Hi, this is Shay Parker, founder of Best American Healers. If you answered yes to any of the questions that I just asked, NowAgeWellness.com can help. Danita Nicole, also known as Dee, is a spiritually based healing practitioner who founded Now Age Wellness. Dee has trained under master teachers to perfect her healing techniques. I personally recommend Dee if you are looking to reclaim yourself in more ways than one. Learn more about these services at NowAgeWellness.com and let your healing begin. Well, I was sitting, waiting, wishing you believed in superstitions that maybe you'd see the signs. The Lord knows that this world is cruel and ain't the Lord no just a fool and a loving somebody don't make them love you. Must I always be waiting, waiting on you? Must I always be playing, playing your fool? I sing your songs, I dance, I dance, I gave your friends all a chance, but then wasn't worth never having you Oh, maybe you've been through this before But it's my first time So please ignore the next few lines Cause they're directed at you I can't all 
is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. We are talking with Mac Maloney here on uh, Behind the Paranormal, and we are talking of some really cool, strange places, possible flaps, whatever. So we are uh, going to be uh, moving on here, and so what about the uh, M triangle in Russia, and what's the M for, and what's going on there? You know, I'm not sure what the M's for, but um, it's this place in the, near the Ural Mountains, kind of out in the middle of where the Ural Mountains. You're breaking up again, um, but but go ahead, just proceed slowly, if you would please, slowly and cautiously. Okay. Ural Mountains is um, our equivalent of uh, rock mountains. Not very many people in the is this is this track there to square miles. It's still there. It's yeah, no, it's still pretty unclear. Pretty much uh, indecipherable. This is typical, Mac. It's it's probably not you. It's well, uh, it actually, it, it might be. Okay, well, it could be. All it right, might be it uh, might be just your internet connection. Are you using wireless by any chance? No, no. Okay. All right. well, it sounds moderately better now. It comes and goes, but just okay. proceed. We'll, we'll tell you if it's... If, you know, okay, it's, you know, so um, this, this particular uh, tract of land, the, um, when the Soviet government was still in power, they wouldn't let anyone into the place, only the KGB. But when the Soviet Union fell, they lifted that restriction, and they let researchers and journalists go in there. And it's very hard to describe, but once again, it's one of these places where UFOs, ju- it just begins with UFOs. There's people see uh, all kinds of different kind of flying orbs out there. They have all these very strange experiences, like people will be camped out in a in a forest, a dense forest, yet they'll hear sounds as if cars and trucks are going right by them, like just a, three or four feet away. They hear choruses of people singing, and this is really out in the middle of nowhere. You cannot make a cell phone call any place in the M Triangle except for this one square where you stand in the middle of it and dial your cell phone. And not only can you make a call, you can call anywhere in the world from this one square. Um, 
people go in there who have illnesses and come out cured. Uh, people, uh, well, we end the end the chapter in the book about this uh, journalist. This is one of the most fascinating things I think is in the book is there was this this guy who I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, very much a Russian name, uh, got washed out of the, uh, the Russian army for medical reasons, was unemployed, got a job as a journalist, went to the M Triangle to do a story. He was there for two weeks. He he experienced a number of things. He was actually um, had a story about him in People magazine. When he got out of the M Triangle, went back to Moscow, started writing his story, all of a sudden he somehow had this knowledge of astrophysics and, <laughs> and astronomy and engineering, and he didn't know where it came from. And within two years, he was a cosmonaut. Now, this guy had no prior training about any of this stuff until he went in and came out of the M Triangle, and, and now he's a cosmonaut. I wish I knew uh, about this when I was struggling through math. Yeah, it, 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 Hey, me too. Um, yeah. Just a fascinating story, a fascinating place. Of all the places that we write about in the book, that's the one place I would really like to go see. That sounds great. And possibly, as, as we say, a, a place, one of many, in which uh, the, the term thin place is a Native American term, where the boundaries of worlds are blurred, you are different yous sometimes, and of course some of these worlds have UFOs, I don't know, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm thinking of something that is seemingly unrelated, but might fit into some kind of pan-paranormal theory. I'm thinking of my earliest possession cases when I was in the seminary and working with a couple of people and one or two priests. People who were supposedly, or at least we believe that's what they were, people who were supposedly possessed would very often have vast knowledge of subjects they had not studied, languages they had not, not studied. Um, I was once addressed in perfect melee by a, a young girl who was of Irish descent from the, the uh, uh, Augensburg, New York area, upstate New York, and uh, certainly had no way of knowing melee. You know? And th this is, it, ju it just struck me when, when you said that. And we have heard more and more of this. Mm -hmm. um, sort of these sorts of things going on in these places. Um, is there an active base there now in the M Triangle? Uh, no, uh, they don't know. The, they don't know, yeah. The only uh, people, as I said, who were allowed in there during the Soviet Union days were the KGB. And now the uh, Federal Security Bureau, I think, is the successor to the KGB. They were always still around there. They're always checking on people who are going in and out, people who go there, you know, run into these security agents all the time. There's been rumors that there was an underground base there that they used to, you know, uh, have something to do with the materials for nuclear bombs there. But no one has been able to figure it out. I mean, it's almost impossible to figure out. I mean, it's, it's even stuff like people at night will see stars go into all different kinds of formations and stuff. And, and the animals, they have fear of humans. It goes, it, you walk in a river and the fish come, come up to you. I mean, where does that happen? Um, oh, yeah, I know it. Very, very strange. Well, people call it almost like a piece of heaven. And, you know, you argue with them because of some of the stuff that goes on there. And it's all very well documented. Yeah. Well, Mac, I'm, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a, of a pause here so you can talk about your book uh, now that you're coming in a little bit more clearly. And also to talk about, I understand you have a, you have a second book with an Area 51 theme in the Wingman series. So go ahead and tell us about that and your website, et cetera. Well, when I first started writing full-time back in the 80s, the first um, series that I wrote was called Wingman. It was very successful right out of the gate. We sold more than a million copies and went to 16 books. And then, you know, I went on to other things. 
And uh, the last Wingman book came out in 1999. But ever since, I've just got, uh, I, I can't tell you, probably hundreds if not thousands of letters saying, when are you going to bring the Wingman series back? And um, so I didn't think, I, I would tell people, I have no idea. And But about a year ago, we were able to um, fix some legal things. We got the copyrights back. And now they're, all of the books have come out again as e-books. And they're coming out as um, paperback books at the end of the summer. But on top of that, I was able to write book 17 of the Wingman series. It's called Attack on Area 51. And the research I had done for um, this book, Beyond Area 51, I, I had just taken down notes during the research for that book and said, you know, this would make a cool novel. And, it, and so I was able to kind of uh, do research on two books at the same time. So Attack on Area 51, that's available at Amazon.com. It's the first Wingman book in a long, long time. A lot of people were anxious to see it and you know people who have read it tell me they like it um so i'm glad that i finally got to it very good well well done I, i'm anxious to see that one too okay well so let's um i i'm, I'm just thinking of uh, that rendlesham area must be like one of these sites one of our theories mac and i'd like to see what you think of this is that the military may very well have built at least some of these bases there because they are as we call them thin places and they want to study them. Our evidence from the Central Connecticut thing is that there there may be research going, and it may not be the government. The place has been militarized off and on, but it, I'm not sure it's the actual government, whether it's some kind of organization or, or cabal or something. I'm not usually a conspiracy theorist, but I'm starting to wonder. Um, no. do you, is it possible these places, uh, these bases exist primarily to study these areas? Well, it, there's a good possibility of that, especially when you uh, look at St. Louis Valley. But another good example is Autech uh, down in the Bahamas. It's it's what's commonly known as the Navy's Area 51. Oh yes, it's a I've place with. Oh, yeah. you okay? You, you, yeah, well, in, in the in the course of military service, yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, they have uh, the the tongue of the ocean, which is a very deep trench there, where they, yeah. I'm sure they uh, test nuclear submarines and so on, but. The fact of the matter is, is that there are just thousands of UFO reports from that area and USO reports and unidentified submerged objects. And um, and people have been seeing this stuff down there for years. And, and, and the thing is, it's, it's also right in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. So, you know, if you want to point to an example of the U.S. military building a place in a place that is very unusual to begin with, I think you begin with Autech. They say, well, we don't know anything about you know, UFOs down here. Of course, they're not going to say they do. But they have billions of dollars of detection equipment down there, uh, you know, radar that goes up to 150 miles. They have tons of sonar there that can see or hear anything underwater for hundreds of miles around. And people are seeing these USOs and UFOs. The Navy said, you know, we don't see any of this stuff. Well, that, it, it, that either proves that, number one, they're lying, and number two, billions of dollars worth of the detection equipment doesn't work. Well, I think they're lying. That's exactly what we were doing there. And that it's not classified, or I wouldn't say it. We were doing anti-submarine warfare exercises with, with the Royal Navy. And uh, I heard some stories. And, and, and San Juan, and the Mona Passage is another area that's supposed to be very active with uh, UFO activity, USO activity. And I spoke to a former member of the uh, Puerto Rican legislature who said that he had, had a, has a house, or at the time had a house, right over, you know, overlooking the Mona Passage, you know, you know how hilly San Juan is. And uh, he said he, the stuff was coming up out of the water. They were having a cookout and all this, these things. are. He said, if, you know, if you, you couldn't make this stuff up. So, uh, yeah, this guy's a former uh, 
official of, of, of Puerto Rico. So I, I don't know. So, so there we have. So I know just what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Autech is a very strange place. I mean, there's, again, so much UFO and USO activity down there in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. That's where the Navy builds its secret base. I mean, it's... I, 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 there's just too much of a coincidence there. Exactly. Well, I hate to say it, but we have to take another break. It is that time. And we are you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. And we are talking with Mac Maloney. We'll continue to do so after the break, so stick with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. I was sitting, waiting, wishing you believed in superstitions Then maybe you'd see the signs Lord knows that this world is cruel And I ain't the Lord, no, I'm just a fool And in loving somebody don't make them love you Must I always be waiting, waiting on you Must I always be playing, playing your fool? I sang your songs, I danced your dance, I gave your friends all a chance. Putting up with them wasn't worth never having you. Or maybe you've been through this before, but it's my first time, so please ignore the next few lines, cause they're directed at you. I can't always. Be waiting, waiting on you I can't always be playing, playing your fool I keep playing your part, but it's not my scene Want this block to twist, I've had enough mystery I'd put down all my ammunition I'd wonder why it had taken me so long But Lord knows that I'm not you And if I was I wouldn't be so cruel Cause waiting on love ain't so easy to do Must I always be waiting, waiting on you Must I Geek Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. 
Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Let us not mince words and get right back into the topics. Okay. Well, we wanted to ask you about this, uh, this place in China that neither of us can pronounce. It is in China, right? Yes, it is, right. Yep. Okay. Um, Hong Yong Tang is, I think, how you pronounce it. And, well, um, okay. Go ahead, please, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say probably answer the um, question you're going to ask is, you know, what is it? And what it is is um, it's a place in the middle of China, northern China, that one day a German researcher was just going over Google Earth images, and he found this place that looked to him to be part of the Himalaya Mountains. But as he looked at the photo, he realized that it was actually a, an exact recreation of a part of the Himalayan mountains. And it turns out that it, the part of the Himalayan mountains that it was an exact recreation of was actually about 2,000 miles to the west where China and the China and Indian uh, border of India and China come together. And this is an area that people kind of forget about this, but in October of 1962, while the Cuban Missile Crisis was going on, China and India actually fought a war. And this very, very remote part of the Himalayan mountains. 1962, that's right. Right. Yeah. And um, so now people are wondering, well, why would the Chinese government build this exact recreation? And I mean, it, it is exact. It's like a, about a 1 to 150 scale. Why would they do this? I mean, is it for military training? Well, you, know, you can't drive tanks in the uh, Himalayan mountains. You can't fly helicopters there. Uh, jet fighters actually have you know hard time flying in and out of there. Yeah, it's the most here. inhospitable place that you could ever fight a war. More people, more soldiers died of frostbite in the in the weather than in actual combat during the strange little war. There's really no explanation why they went to war in the first place. But as it turns out, the people there who live on both sides of the border see UFOs all the time there. In fact, one researcher went to a village when he was kind of looking into this and. He um, he happened to be there when the school kids were doing a contest, and the contest was our assignment: draw what you see every day in every, everyday life here. And like more than half of them drew UFOs, hmm. and these are kids who they, they're not exposed to TV, a movie, or movies or anything. So it turns out a lot of UFO activity out there, and so it gets people wondering: well, why did the Chinese build this exact recreation of this strange place out in the middle of nowhere? That has a lot of UFO activity, and and I wish that we were able to answer that question in the book, but we can't. There, it's only the Chinese women know why it is, but there's a lot of evidence that it has some kind of connection to UFOs. Well, it's funny uh, that that comes up as well because we have a, a bit of a connection with that. In a sense, we we have a, a dear friend who has who lived in China, and uh, I won't tell you his name, but he was involved with a very famous case that we were a little bit connected with, and. He said that there was, uh, I, I'm not sure that's the area he was talking about, there was some place very much like it farther south in the mountains in, in China. And he himself had kind of scouted it out but did not want to tangle with the Chinese military, so he never actually tried to get in there. But there had been lots of sightings in that area too. Mm -hmm. well, and this is something we asked Bill Burns the other night. Why are UFOs so frequently seen around mountains? Right in in rifts too, you know, where the where the yeah. Guys play, even even here in New England, yeah, really, it's it's Christopher O'Brien, the guy who I talked to, uh, the researcher I talked to for the St. Louis Valley chapter. I mean, he he's written almost entire books on this. He says that there has something to do with these rifts, and there's a chance maybe that the UFOs are 
they're attracted to these rifts. Maybe there are underground bases, and this is where they come out of. But there's there's a rift there uh, right where India and China meet. There's a rift where uh, the St. Louis Valley is. Uh, who knows? You know, it, it it's it's like more pieces to this grand puzzle that I know we're all trying to put all the pieces in to finally you know figure out what's going on with UFOs. But it seems like the puzzle just gets. It's, it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Well, that's another thing that's come up lately on the show is, is you know, we've been researching this. I mean, it's been going on for thousands of years. We have been formally researching it at least since the 30s and or probably before. I mean, I know there are military records going back to the Civil War or even before. Oh, yeah, much, much longer than that. I mean, yeah. uh, like way back to Lewis and Clark. Uh, yeah. Columbus, all those people. Well, the point mm-hmm. being, are we any closer now than we were then? It seems that, you know, every, as you suggest, every question brings up uh, two more questions or more. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, I, I hope we're closer to it, but um, I really don't think so. Okay. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to at least mention the, uh, as I believe it's pronounced the Nullarbor Plain in Australia, mm-hmm. where UFOs attack people on a consistent basis. That's attack right. Attack how? Um, well, they, um, there's a, the Nullarbor Plain goes from, let's say, central, southern, central Australia up coast, and it goes through a desert. It's the longest highway in the world. And um, people who drive uh, it, you know, are told there are signs out there for UFOs because people have taken, have driven it, you know, they drive it at night mostly just out of the heat of the day, and UFOs will come down and, and they'll, um, they'll, uh, you know, buzz your, you know, hit the top of your car. We we tell a story um, about a family who was driving uh, along the Nullarbor Plain Road, and um, this UFO was, you know, landed on top of their car, um, spun them around, uh, chased them. Really, you know, you don't very you don't hear very often, um, you know, stories about UFOs being, uh, you know, so evil. You know, they're usually passive, if anything. But for some reason, down in Australia, in this place, which is very close to several secret um, British bases, it's, it, it's very close to where the British did their first atomic bomb testing, and oh. somewhat close to Pine Gap, which is a, a famous CIA NSA listening uh, post, which is out in the middle of Australia, which also had a number of UFO uh, stories related to it. But for whatever reason, on the Nova plane, um, UFOs have this, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're evil. They seem to attack people there more than any other place in the world. I mean, really, in all your years, have you really heard of any UFOs, you know, like buzzing cars and forcing cars off the road? I've never heard of stuff you know, like that. You it reminds it, me of? It reminds me of the Mothman situation. It's you know, a little bit like Mothman, yes. In the 60s, right, exactly. yeah, where, where that creature was doing the same thing. Right, right. Oh, okay. Well, that's amazing. Well, I think we're just about done here, Mac. Uh, I'll tell you, Mac, we're going to do this again on our other show. I want to continue this. This is We're only just scratching the surface. Really, really great conversation. But thank you so much. And again, MacMaloney.com, folks, and check out the book, Beyond Area 51. It's really great. So well, check out our website. It's Behind the Power. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say something? Well, I was going to thank Mac for being on. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for being on. Goes without well, thanks yes, very yes, much. Thank you very um, much for being with us. Yep. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, so check out our websites, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of past shows. Also, check out our website at www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case studies, photos, along with articles by my dad. And if you buy my books on either of those sites, you will help, keep, uh, help us keep those podcasts free. 
Uh, again, uh, over 500, uh, 500 of them at this point. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities that Ben and I have adopted, including the city of Moore, Oklahoma, devastated by the recent tornado, USA Cares, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Please check those out. And so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson. And we will see you right here next week. And we will have, host an open line show to deal with our quest, or deal with your questions on many different paranormal subjects. So send in your questions or comments with the form at BehindTheParanormal.com or email to Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WOON, 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com at 6 PM every I should say Eastern time every Monday. Check out, again, those 500 podcasts. They're all free at BehindTheParanormal.com. And we'll leave you this evening with a thought from dear old Ariana Huffington, of all people. Nothing is ever enough when what you are looking for isn't what you really want. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. <laughs>